today to be in God's house and to be surrounded by such a great crowd of witnesses. Did you sense it? They're here. We are not on our own. <laughs> we are not on our own. The host of heaven comes and joins in to worship the King of Kings. Praise God. So we are at a very special time in our journey and tomorrow we start our seven days of pressing in to be closer to Jesus in prayer and fasting. <clears throat> it's a very special time because God has revealed the next step of the journey for us in unmistakable ways, given us the clues. Now, many of you are relatively new to this area of Scotland. Many of you are new to Scotland. Livingston has got the lowest church attendance in all of Scotland. That is why God sent you. This is going to change. We declare in the name of Jesus, this will change. And the glory of God will rest in this town and reach the people, the inhabitants. We are all here in order that the glory of God will be manifest to the inhabitants of Livingston and West Lothian. This will be the work of the Holy Spirit. And what a privilege it is for us to partner with the King of Kings in the kingdom business, isn't it? So today I want to remind us what is written about the work of the Holy Spirit. Because it's all done by the Spirit of God. What is God's end game for you and for me? What is the end game? Do you know? What's the end, end game? Well, it's written. <laughs> Revelation 21 and verse 3. And I heard a loud voice from the heavens saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. In the New Living Translation, it says, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them. So straightforward talking. This is the desire of God, and this is the end. This is the end, that we, God, will come and live with us forever, ever, ever, ever. This will be the end. That is the end game. But where are we now? We are... We are back in the day of grace. We are not yet there. Wow, you just open your eyes and see what's happening in the world and you know this is not yet. The Holy Spirit is the one that does the work in our lives. When you are born again, the Spirit of God comes and lives on your inside. And it's very, very powerful. 
Remember when Jesus went and met the woman at the well. What he spoke to her, John 4.10. Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. When we are born again, it's like living water. Living water. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. There is only one way to God. There's only one. And there's only one true God. And if you've never yet surrendered your life to Jesus, Today, God is inviting you to make that commitment. God is inviting you to open up your heart and taste of that living water. And you can do that by putting your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. This is His will for your life. This is his invitation to you today. He does not force you. It's a love invitation. So when we are born again, we have living water, which is the Holy Spirit. Now let's see what Jesus says in John 7, 37 to 39. On the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the Spirit. This is the Holy Spirit whom those believing in him would receive. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. So we see, Jesus had to be glorified. And then on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came. And so when we are born again, we have living water. But then when we are filled with the Spirit, we, we have rivers. There's a big difference, rivers. I have a sister that lives in Norway. We used to go and visit her. And she wouldn't, she wouldn't switch the lights off at night. She said, oh, it doesn't matter. Electricity is so cheap. Why is electricity in those days very cheap in Norway? Because they have all the mountains and rivers. And rivers generate power. And they had very cheap electricity. It's changed now because they sell electricity to all those of us that don't have too much. <laughs> so it's international prices now. But when you have rivers, you can generate power. Rivers that come from the mountain generates a lot of power. And this is the work of the Holy Spirit. And for every believer... As we are filled with the Holy Spirit, it's rivers of living water. How wonderful, how wonderful. Now, 
So when you're born again, Holy Spirit comes and lives inside. Then when you're filled with the Holy Spirit and baptized in the Holy Spirit, it's rivers of water, rivers, rivers, creating the power of the Holy Ghost. Now I want to go to a key verse for us today. John 16, 7 to 9. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. This is Jesus speaking to the disciples before he left this earth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper, the comforter, the Holy Spirit will not come to you, but if I depart, I will send him to you. And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin because they do not believe in me. Do you know people do not go to hell because they're living in immorality? They do not go to hell because they lie. Which sin keeps people from their eternal destiny is the sin of not believing in Jesus Christ, the only true Son of God. That is the sin. That is the blockage of not believing. Of not believing. Holy Spirit came. Now when Jesus walked on this earth, he was with the disciples. But he knew he had chosen to come in a human body. And like you and I, we can only be one place at a time. A body certainly. Sometimes the mind can be elsewhere. Hello? Is your mind here or is it gone? Are you on the Bahamas just now? <laughs> but our bodies can only be one place. Sometimes we wish we could be in two places, but that's not possible. And Jesus chose to come as a human being, so he could only be in one place. And he knew he had commanded the disciples to go into all the world. So who was he going to go with? If he went to John, he couldn't go with Peter, right? So he said, it's to your advantage that I go. Because when I'm back with my Father, we'll send the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is everywhere. It's rivers of living water. He is with every believer in power. In power. So it's to your advantage that I go, he said. So the work here of the Holy Spirit says to convict the world of sin. Yes. John 16, 13 and 14. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. It's the Holy Spirit that will show you the truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will tell you things to come. He will glorify me. This is Jesus speaking. The Holy Spirit, he glorifies Jesus. For he will take of what is Jesus and declare it to you. The Holy Spirit will convict. It's not our job. 
he will convict the world of sin. Mainly the sin of unbelief. The sin because they do not believe in me. Because Jesus is the only way. John 3.18 He who believes in him is not condemned. But he who does not believe is condemned already. Because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. If you have not believed in Jesus Christ, you are already condemned. You are already condemned. Holy Spirit will convict you. And Holy Spirit will point you towards Jesus Christ. If you surrender your life to Jesus Christ and decide to put your trust in him, that is the new birth and the beginning of new life, which is so glorious, so glorious. The gospel of Jesus Christ is not about modifying behavior. It's about a complete transformation. <clears throat> it's about a heart transformation. So Holy Spirit is with us before we are born again to convict us and then when we are born again he comes and lives on the inside and then when we are filled with the spirit it's overflowing and holy spirit comes upon us for service it says in the scripture back in john 16 he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness I want us to really focus today on looking at the difference between conviction and condemnation. Holy Spirit convicts, but he does not condemn. We just read, Jesus said, they're already condemned. Where is the condemnation? Who is the accuser? The accuser of the brethren is written about in Revelation 12, and it's the, it's the devil. He is the one that accuses us. But conviction from the Holy Spirit is specific, but condemnation is general. Con uh, a conviction from the Holy Spirit will arrest us and say, uh, uh, you spoke very harshly to your spouse just now. You just said something. This was not nice. But the devil, the accuser, he will come and say, you are useless. You are hopeless wife or husband. You see the big difference? Holy Spirit pinpoints that one area. Why? He loves us too much to leave us as, as we are. And he wants to correct us like a good parent. A good parent. We teach our children. In love, we teach them. Holy Spirit will say, that love was not kind what you said, to correct us. But the enemy will say, you are worthless. So Holy Spirit will give specific addressing a behavior or an attitude or an issue. But the enemy always attacks our identity. Trying to tell you that you are useless, that you are no good. Holy Spirit will remind you, you are a child of God. So if our behavior in one area falls below the standard, Holy Spirit will come and say, you are a child of God. This, this behavior is not for you. 
This is not for you. This is not who you are. But the enemy will come and say, oh, you are a sinner. You are hopeless. The scripture tells us that we receive Jesus in our heart. We are saints. No longer sinners. No longer sinners. Conviction from the Holy Spirit gives us hope and change is imminent. Change is possible and just round the corner. But the enemy will tell us it's hopeless. You are a loser. You can't change. All lies. All lies. Twisted lies. Conviction from the Holy Spirit leads us to repentance. But condemnation from the devil leads us to guilt, to shame, to regret. It can even lead to suicide and death. Because the wages of sin is death. You see the difference. But we know the devil is very subtle. And we do fall at times. And so he'll pick at us. This is when you have to stand up strong and say, It is written. That's how the enemy combated the devil by saying, It is written and quote the word of God. Who we are in Christ. 2 Corinthians 7.10 For godly sorrow produces repentance leading to salvation. Not to be regretted. But the sorrow of the world produces death. So, I remind you again, Holy Spirit is with us. Does he convict us of sin? Yes, yes, yes. But more importantly, he now convicts us of righteousness. What is righteousness? Righteousness, right standing with God. Right standing with God. It is so powerful. Righteousness is more than just having our sins forgiven. More than going to heaven. It's right standing with God, which empowers us for right living. It empowers us for right living. We no longer live in fear and slavery to sin. Because the power of God changes us. So there's hope and there's renewal and there's change. Because Holy Spirit convicts us of righteousness because I go to my Father and you see me no more. You see how when Jesus says Holy Spirit convicts us of righteousness, he doesn't say, oh, it's because you're doing such a good job. Uh-uh. Because of all your good deeds. Because of your good heart. No, 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 no. You and I are not mentioned. Why? Because it's all about Jesus. He says, because I go to the Father. Our righteousness is his doing. Oh, this is powerful. I want you to get this today. When the accuser comes, your righteousness in Christ is the work of the cross. It cannot be undone. It's powerful forever. It's powerful for you in your day-to-day -day life. 
And as we move into these seven days of seeking the Lord, let us behold him. What he has accomplished, it is his work. He's accomplishing this. This is kingdom business. And when God has spoken, it will come to pass. And we stand on his word. There's an interesting scripture. There's many interesting scripture, but I've always thought that it was a weird scripture, if I'm being really honest. Because I didn't really understand it. John 3.14, Jesus speaking, he said, And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. Do you know what I thought? It was a bit strange. Because I've always known that the serpent is, is the devil. Why would Jesus kind of compare himself to a serpent? A serpent is evil. Do you get it? It's not a bit strange. Jesus is comparing himself to a serpent. I mean, even in the natural, we don't like snakes, do we? Many years ago, Melvin and I, was, when we were young, we were on a mission in America. And we were put up in this house. And they said, you'll sleep in this room. And next door, don't worry, because the door will be, be closed. But next door, we, we keep pet snakes. And I was going, ah! All night, I'm thinking, I hope those snakes don't come into our room. Who likes snakes? Sorry, if you love snake lovers, it's not me. But I always thought this scripture was quite strange. But we've got to go back to the Old Testament to understand what Jesus is actually saying. And this is really powerful. The Israelites, as you know, were walking around in the wilderness complaining. Of course, we would never do that, would we? We never grumble, do we? <laughs> oh, it's so cold, God. We have to stand out here. It's so cold. <laughs> Yeah, we like like we grumble as well. They were grumbling and they were complaining. God sent some poisonous snakes and some of them got bit by snakes. So this was big trouble. So in their panic they cried out and Moses prayed for them. Numbers twenty one, verse eight and nine. Then the Lord said to Moses, Make a fiery serpent and set it on a pole. And it shall be that everyone who is bitten, when he looks at it, shall live. So Moses made a bronze serpent and put it on a pole. And so it was, if a serpent had bitten anyone, when he looked at the bronze serpent, he lived. So here you have a serpent, man-made, and the people that got these snake bites, which were very poisonous, instead of dying, if they looked, all they had to do was look at the snake on a pole, and they would not die. That's what happened in the Old Testament. And so we have now Jesus in the New Testament saying, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so, must the Son of Man be lifted up? Even so, Jesus had to be lifted up on the cross. Because when Jesus was lifted up on the cross, 
Jesus became sin. He became sin for us. So that when we look at him, we look up at the cross and we see Jesus. We see that he's paid our sin. But then we look again. You have to look long. You have to gaze. One of the songs we're singing, we gaze. We have to gaze. We have to look. Don't look down here. Look up at the cross and see the Savior and see that he became sin. And so by looking at him, we become righteous. We become righteous. We become righteous instantly by faith. Jesus had been denied sin all his life, but on the cross he became sin. And the Father had to turn away from him because he became sin. At the same time, God now considers you and I righteous, even though our characters are still work in progress. He considers us righteous because Jesus became sin. God accepts us. Even when we come to him, we've done no righteous acts yet. He accepts us. Jesus died as a sinner, even although he wasn't a sinner. Therefore, I can live a righteous person, even if I don't feel righteous. Even you don't feel righteous, you are made righteous. This is the work of the Holy Spirit convicting us. This is what we need for where we are right now. The conviction of the Holy Spirit that witness with us that we are the children of God and that we are made righteous. Because we look up at the cross and that he became sin. So when he said he was lifted up as a serpent, that was sin, representing sin. This is life changing for us. This is the power of the gospel. That we are made righteous. We are made righteous. And this is Holy Spirit convicting us. If we fall in sin, we already know. We already know. Because we know the word of God. But how much we need the conviction of Holy Spirit about us being righteous. Because we know ourselves. Don't go with feelings. Feelings can be up and down. Stand on the word. It is written. It is written. This is so powerful. When you glance at the cross, you see Jesus like a lamb was slain. That was for your sin. Then you glance again and you gaze. And you see he became like a serpent. That he became sin. That is for our sanctification. That is our justification. What a powerful God we have. What power there is in the gospel. And then 
that verse says, and he convicts us of judgment because Jesus won. The enemy is already judged. The enemy is already judged. So what are the steps? Be born by the Spirit. This is the work of the Holy Spirit in us. When we are born again, the Holy Spirit comes and lives on the inside. Then we are filled with the Holy Spirit. Then we are led by the Holy Spirit. And then we are used by the Holy Spirit. I'll just finish with this by showing you in the life of Jesus how this was. First, our first step is being born again. But Jesus was conceived by the Holy Spirit. It was a supernatural um, conception that Jesus was born. So that is representing us being born again. And then it says, you, you know the scriptures well, that Jesus was baptized in the water by, the whole, by John the Baptist and the Holy Spirit came upon him like a dove. Remember that. And then when we go to Matthew 4, 1, which is right after that, it says, Then Jesus was led up by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. So first, Jesus was born by the Holy Spirit. Then as he was baptized, he was filled with the Holy Spirit. After, it says right after he was filled with the Holy Spirit, he was then led by the Holy Spirit. Now we always think we are led into really great things. He was led into temptations and, and wilderness. Right? He was actually led into the wilderness to be tempted. But he was filled with the Holy Spirit. Whatever we are filled with, that is what's going to lead us. You ever meet people that are super angry? That anger leads them to do things. People that are very selfish, they are led into very selfish actions. But we want to be led by Holy Spirit so that we are doing the things of the Holy Spirit. We want to be filled with God. So that was him being led by the Spirit. And then, as we read in the Gospel, he was used by the Spirit. So. That's a kind of progression. It starts by being born again, then being filled with the Spirit, then being led by Holy Spirit, and then being used by Holy Spirit. He so desires to use every one of us. Holy Spirit leads us. Holy Spirit, he doesn't drive us. You drive a car, I drive a car, and it's like an instrument from A to B. But Scripture doesn't talk about us as cars, it talks about us as sheep. Sheep has got their own will. <laughs> sheep are led, and Holy Spirit leads us gently. Do you notice how Holy Spirit is so gentle? Typically, Holy Spirit doesn't shout at us. It's a still, strong voice. Whisper. Whisper. That's why... We want to seek to be close to him so that we can hear him. In our house, if Melvin is upstairs and I'm downstairs and if he starts talking to me, I can't hear him. I maybe can hear that there's something, but I have no idea what he's saying. If you want to hear somebody, you have to be close, don't you? 
We can't heal from afar. We have to move close. So as we move into our seven days prayer and fasting, we want to hear his whispers. We want to be close to him. We want to seek his presence. It's interesting because that was the first thing that Jesus did after being filled with the Holy Spirit. He was led into prayer and fasting to get the victory. And we too will have the victory. Amen.